Isn't it funny how we all start off with a plan or conception of what our life and career will look like, but oftentimes we are forced, or maybe we choose, to pivot into something entirely different. Well, this is a podcast where we sit down with celebrities, athletes, and entrepreneurs to hear how they handle these unexpected events. I'm your host, Andrew East. I'm an engineer turned professional athlete turned entrepreneur, and I'm super excited to bring you these stories in order to help you move closer to your dreams, no matter what they look like. And this episode's weekly redirect has to do with Sean and I going back to Indianapolis, which is a town I grew up in, to attend the wedding of one of my best high school friends, and it was a really fun time. I obviously shredded the dance floor, but I also got to see a lot of old friends that I hadn't seen in years, and uh, it's always such a good experience to to be in that situation where I feel like uh, it's kind of grounding and and you reflect back on the time and who you were when you were with these people, and so that was a really, really good time, and it was fun to introduce all these people to Sean as well, who has now been my wife for three years and hasn't met any of these people, so that, that was really great. And I also want to talk to you guys about today's pivot product, products that can help redirect your life. And it's actually relevant to today's episode. It is Quest Bars. And so Sean and I are always on the road. We're always traveling. And sometimes we skip lunch. Lunch is a meal that we always seem to forget about. We love breakfast, so we never forget about that. Dinner is always kind of the way we close out our night. And so we find ourselves skipping lunch. And skipping lunch is an awful idea if you're trying to take care of your body. It really throws off your metabolism. And so we have been turning to Quest Nutrition. They have so many awesome products. They have thin crust pizza. They have protein powders. But we love their protein bars. Um, And so it's been a really quick and easy way to get that midday nutrition. Um, And it's relevant because our guest today, actually, Lisa Bilyeu, is the co-founder of Quest Nutrition, which is now a multi-billion dollar company. She's also the president of Impact Theory and Woman of Impact, which is a show that features women who have overcome incredible hardship to achieve massive success. Lisa's mission is to empower you and all women to recognize that you really can be the hero of your own life. I'm happy to bring you guys Lisa Bilyeu. It's going to be a fun one. Hello and welcome back, everybody. I am so excited for today's episode. We are sitting down with Lisa Bilyeu, who is an absolute legend. I'm excited to share her story. Lisa, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited for this one. I have to say, Lisa, your haircut is what I aspire my hair to look like. That's amazing. Sweet. I love it. (laughs) Well, uh, first of all, I don't see your braids, so you're going to have to get some braids in. <laughs> and, then, and then you have to decide what kind of fun shaving patterns and styles you want in the back. Wait, is your shaved? It just looks like it's braided. Yeah. So, well, so the side is shaved, actually, okay. and underneath at the back, um, wow. I shave it. And so I, I've done the Wonder Woman symbol shaved in my head before. Wow. I've done the Batman symbol. It was my husband and I's anniversary, and I like to do something creative instead of just spend money. So I did a big high with 16 and then I dyed it red for the heart so oh my I, gosh yeah I use my hair as a really good like fun way of expressing myself you know what's interesting I've been blown away so I've, I've been growing my hair out for a year and the amount of controversy it has stirred up in the online community blows me away everybody's really? like it's like every video we put out they're like cut your hair Andrew no don't cut your hair so, <laughs> I don't know if you've had that experience but people are heavily it. invested um, I actually haven't, and I wonder if it is um, male versus female. Interesting. Or... Interesting. I don't know. Maybe. Hmm. Um, so I always like to start the show by kind of setting the context of where your success came from. So we talk about like where you grew up, what your family was like. If you could just jump into that, that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. So you may be able to tell from the accent. I'm not from around here. Um, So I was born in England, um, came from a Greek Orthodox family, came to Los Angeles when I was around, um, God, let's say, must have been about 15. And I was like, I love this place so much. I want to move there. So my dream was to be the first female movie director to ever win an Academy Award. Growing up in London, everyone thought, you're crazy. You're never even going to get to live in LA, let alone be in the movie business. Um, I used that to fuel myself. So I went to college, I studied filmmaking. And at 21, I came to Los Angeles to do a short film course. And um, I walk in the door and this handsome young man standing in front of me um, ended up being my husband. Uh. So after a two year long distance relationship, 
and we ended up getting married and that was 16 years ago and uh yeah from about 10 years ago we started a business called quest nutrition um which you may have heard of in case you've had a quest bar before in your life love them thank you no it's interesting so was it la that you fell in love with or was it just like you know the united states in general yeah, so um, it really was Los Angeles. From a young age, I realized I really didn't feel um, complete living where I was. Okay. And I always had that. I think maybe it was like being the youngest child, but I always had that like anything is possible. And I don't understand all these other people that are just like living their mundane lives, saying things aren't possible. Like I, It never registered to me why people thought like that. Yeah. Um. So when I came to Los Angeles, I loved the film business. I really wanted to be in the movie business. I didn't know what that meant at the time, but I really loved the business. Um, And the funny thing is now coming into Los Angeles and having worked in the film business, I hate the traditional way of Hollywood. Mm. Um, I love movies and it's definitely where we're trying to take the company into building a studio. But um, yeah, I, I hate the step on or be stepped on type um, business that Hollywood that I realized Hollywood was actually like. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I, so I've been, you know, bounced around the NFL and it seems like elite athletics, the same way where it's like, Hey, this is a, a zero sum game where it's either I'm winning and you're losing. There's, there's no other option. It's like, there's, there's no possibility that we can both win and both be successful. Is that's your experience of the film industry? Yeah, absolutely. And it, no matter how much I had dreamt that I wanted to be the first female movie director to win an Academy Award, when I first, before we started Quest and I just um, got a few gigs on the movie, you know, doing photography and mm-hmm. um, continuity and things like that, I just realized I don't want it bad enough. Like if, if this is what my life would be like, where I would have to treat people badly to get ahead or be treated badly to get ahead, then I don't want like my dream. The reality of my dream isn't what I thought it was. And I actually believe that it's okay to admit when your dream isn't what you thought it was and changing careers and changing paths. Um, so yeah, just. Wow. That's, it's a tough place to be, though, because and, and quite frankly, that's that's essentially where I am in my football career. So I just finally reached my goal of playing in the NFL. And I realized that I have bigger dreams or different dreams. And I don't really want to be playing in like football for the rest of my life. I feel like I'm called to do something different. But there's this natural instinct of uh, it feels like I'm quitting on that dream or it feels like I'm letting somebody down. How did you work through that? Yeah, it's so true. And that's something that I find that a lot of people um, have to deal with. I think the truth is, is it's just a new way of life. Now, once upon a time, you know, our, um, our parents generation was just earn enough money to be able to support your kids. Then as I was growing up, it was, well, now that you've got the stability, you've got to go to college. But I think the new generation is like, Whatever you decide now isn't necessarily going to be what you want in 10, 20, 30 yeah. years. And I think that we're now speaking up about the fact that that's okay. Um, because I think setting my goal is to live till I'm at least 100. At yeah. least 100. So when you think about it, 50 years old is halfway through my life. Now, if I decide what I want to do at the age of 20 or 21 or 18 when I go to college, that's so crazy to think that that's going to be something that I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Mm. And I think that speaking up and saying that kind of allows people to then take chances. Mm. Um, but I had to absolutely crack that. I had to, um, you know, just be humble and say, yeah, you know what? I was wrong. Or like it, it didn't turn out the way I thought it was. Yeah. And what, you know, like it's my life. I have one life to live. And anytime that I was fearful about making a change in my life, I just reminded myself, you've got one life to live. And do you want to be on your deathbed? I know it may sound morbid, but do you want to be on your deathbed saying, I wish? And yeah. the truth is, hell no, I don't. Right. So. Wow. So the show is all about career pivots. And you said you moved to LA, took this film school, uh, this film class where you met your husband. But then you started Quest Nutrition, and I know you're big into fitness. Talk about the or, or origination of, of Quest. Yeah, so that's a fun story. Um, came to America, met my husband. We fell in love. We got married. We you know, moved to Los Angeles. Our dream was to be in the movie business. And he wrote a script. I worked on films. And at the end, we realized this is 
this sucks. Mm. And if we want to really be in the film business, like we play the no BS game. So like no BS, what would it take to be in the film business? And the truth was you have to um, control the finances because if you can't control the finances, you can't control the art form. Mm. And I thought, you know what, unless I can control the art form, I'm not willing to do it. So of course, back then we thought, hey, let's just earn the money ourselves really kind of the naivety of the beginner right like it can't be that hard um, so my husband was like all right well I'll go and be an entrepreneur now back then I'm talking 15 years ago entrepreneurship wasn't really a thing right it, there wasn't really a word there wasn't like oh you're gonna do a startup like there was nothing like that it was like what are you doing are you crazy you're leaving something secure to go to this unknown space mm-hmm. um but we did and so we sat down me and my husband and we said okay no bs if we really want to build a business that's going to crush it what do we have to do and we looked at all the successful people around us, like Steve Jobs, for instance. And we thought, okay, well, how does he live his life? He barely changes his T-shirt. And for instance, like he'll always wear the same color T-shirt, the same style. Why? Because people only have a certain amount of decisions they can make in their lifetime, in, mm-hmm. in one day. So if you're deciding, hey, I want to change what I'm wearing, that's one decision that's... Um, like basically you no longer have that brain power to make another decision that day. So we just sat down and I was like, okay, well, what if you don't make any decisions at home? You don't decide what you wear, what you eat, leave that to me. So as a partnership, I'm going to take care of that. You're going to take care of everything at work. And now we've got this partnership where we're building something together. It seemed like a great plan. Now, what I didn't realize that that would end up being eight years of me being a housewife. Hmm. So from the first year, I was enthusiastic. I was excited. I was like, okay, I've got a purpose. I've got a mission. It's to support each other, to support my husband. I'm going to cook. I'm going to clean. I'm going to put out all his clothes. Literally, he would wake up in the morning. Clothes would be set out for him for the gym. He would get changed. He would come home from the gym. Clothes would be set out for him for work. And I took pride in that because I was like, we're building something together. Mm. Like I said, what I didn't realize was that that would be eight years of me then becoming a housewife. And it didn't like dawn on me. It was one of those day by day, you know, step by step. One thing happened. The next thing happened. One day turned into the next. I found joy in the smallest things that I possibly could to give myself um, validation for what I was doing. So I would cook, which I hated cooking, but I would give myself, you know, coach myself into be like, no, it's for the bigger purpose. But after eight years, it basically came to a head where I was like, A, I, I, I'm, I'm miserable. B, yeah. my husband hates this life that he's leading now. This business life is, you know, money is taking over um, mm. him. And I don't like seeing him that way. So this big plan that we had of these big grand goals, it's not leaving, leading a life of satisfaction. So then we played, okay, what would that look like and uh, quest was born he started with his business partners and initially i was again just a housewife and he turned to me and he's like do you mind shipping from my bed um, from our living room floor so i'd started actually quest nutrition thinking i was just going to help out and it turned out i was shipping one or two orders from my living room floor we were making bars by hand we were renting a kitchen in the evening um packaging them so we were you know cutting them with um, knives and rolling pins hmm. And before I knew it, um, a month, two months went by and it was like, oh, we're slightly growing. Lisa, do you mind? Because you know that, you know, you've printed orders before. And then before I knew it, six months, a year down the line, I'm hiring employees under me and I blink and, you know, two and a half years later, I've got 40 employees underneath me. I'm running our shipping department um, and inventory. We're exporting $80 million worth of product. And each step of the way, it was kind of like, well, Lisa, can you just because you're doing this? And so I went from being a housewife to an entrepreneur really without meaning to. But my driving force was like, no one else can do it. My house is on the line. I have to suck it up and learn how to do it. And so kind of that for me was how I transitioned from a housewife to being a businesswoman and working with my husband. Wow. It's so interesting because um, I work with my wife now. And so the dynamics of the, the married couple, um, it, it adds an unusual stress and a stress that otherwise isn't there. You know, when, when both are independently working and have um, their, their jobs separate, it's almost 
I, I view it, maybe it's just the grass is greener, but an easier lifestyle because for Sean and I, we don't know when to turn, turn off work. And you know, it's, it's so easy when both of the people are so ambitious to just always keep things about work, only talk about work. I'm interested, what boundaries have you guys established and set to make sure that your marriage comes first, which is an important thing for us, and your business, although it's very important to both of you, uh, comes second? Yeah, it's a great question. That's something that we talk about all the time. It's not one of those, like, have one conversation and you're done with it. Um, but for us, it really was, um, okay, so what are the goals of the company and are we on board together? So we both have to buy in. Then it's like, what is that going to take? And then we lay out, okay, well, what is it actually going to take? And doing that kind of allows me to go, okay, when Tom's away, if he's got a big speaking gig or, you know, we're just so busy and we haven't, let's say, spent a week together. I just remind myself, okay, we've decided together as a unit what it was going to take to build this business. So there's no like animosity between the two of us if one person's working really hard because we've both bought into it. Mm. Now, at the same time, we have to acknowledge that, yes, absolutely our relationship comes first, but we don't have the same, um, what's the word? Um, uh, oh, God. We don't have the same restriction not restrictions so for instance let me back up i am definitely more romantic i'm more needy with his time than he is with me hmm. so acknowledging that our needs are different and our you know um our expectations may be slightly different so i definitely want to make sure that i get date night at least once a week with my husband yeah now the truth is he could go probably two weeks without a date night yeah acknowledging that from the get-go I think is very important because then it's like well hang on do you not miss me right like because now we've got different perspectives I'm really missing him thinking I haven't even spent time with him and he's acting like he doesn't care now the truth is it's not that he doesn't care it's just we both have different bandwidths of what that need is so acknowledging okay I'm I need more time with him than he does. I'm better at logistics than he is. So this means I'm going to take over when our date nights happen. Because if I waited for him, the truth is I may wait three weeks. And instead of allowing that to come in between us and in between our relationship, we've just given each other roles. So like in our business, where you have a CEO, a president, the CFO, everyone's got titles. We do that in our relationship. All right, so the titles in our relationship is I lead our romance because I know that if it was left to him, it just won't get addressed as often. And I don't mm. take that personally. And we sat down and we laid this all out so that we could have very clear expectations and flow so that you're not kind of battling each other. So for instance, I said to him, okay, once a week I need date night. I'm going to reach out to his assistant because I know he's terrible with his schedule. I'll reach out to his assistant and say, hey, can you make sure this time is blocked off so that we can spend time together? So I just take control of it instead of waiting. Wow. Um, and then just one other little tip is, yeah, don't test each other and don't um, lay out, uh, sorry, don't test each other and also lay out your expectations. So if it's my birthday, my husband, he's so busy and he's forgetful. And I know this about him. I've been with him for 16 years. So if I know that about him, why am I testing him to see if he remembers my birthday mm -hmm. and then testing to see if he does anything about it and testing him to see if he knows what I want? Like all of those is actually setting him up for failure. Like bless him. I love him to bits, but I know him well enough to know this isn't his, this isn't where his skill set lies. Wow. So instead of testing him every year now, I sit down and I say, all right, babe, this is what I want to do for my birthday. I've spoke to your assistant. It's in your calendar. <laughs> right? So it's already in the calendar that my birthday and what we're doing and I'll decide what restaurant. And I'll say, but I actually did this last year. I said, but babe, it's actually meaningful to me for you to book the restaurant. Hmm. Now it's not that I can't do it. I've got the phone number, you know, it takes me longer to tell him than it probably does for me just to book it myself, but it was meaningful to me. So what I, I, I was very honest and I said, it's meaningful. And I use those specific words so he can hear me because I think our language is also by person is different. So I use the word meaningful. I said, it's meaningful to me if you book this for my birthday, but I know you've got a bad memory. So what I'm going to do, I literally took his phone and I set an alarm in his phone and said, book Lisa's birthday dinner. 
and I gave him back his phone and I said, now it's on you. Wow. So it's setting each other up for success, telling each other exactly what you want, making sure that you don't feel guilty or embarrassed for speaking up when you have needs. Um, and then also being very aware that sometimes you can get rejected. Like I may say, Hey, I've got date night in the calendar and I've got all excited and you know, I've got everything planned. And then he's like, I've got a, I've got a gig. I can't do it. So knowing that that's very possible and not holding it against the other person. Again, going back to what is the goal of your family and your company? So if he's got another gig and we have to cancel date night, I can sit there and have a go at him or be upset or I can remind myself that we're in it together and that we made a goal together of the family and the company together. So it's not him dictating our lives. It's me saying, no, I bought into this and I agreed to it. So the fact that he has to cancel dinner to go do a speaking engagement is something that I've already agreed to. Hmm. Wow. The level of maturity and the intentionality of the communication is inspiring. Like it gets me all excited because I, I mean the Enneagram test has been, I feel like popularized now and so many people are, are getting into that for business, but it's also important to realize that there's, there's uh, personal applications for it too, where you realize, Hey, Sean's strengths are different than mine. And just but, because she's not strong in this doesn't mean that she's a failure or that I need to be frustrated. I just need to realize she's strong in other areas, whereas, you know, that differs from mine. And, and I think to identify that and to be able to communicate and talk around that is extremely, extremely valuable. And you guys, it seems like you guys have a really, really solid system and the level of forgiveness that you have for him. If he does forget, forgive your birthday, um, I think is really great how you point back to, Hey, we committed to, you know, building this business together and that's, that's what this is leading back to. So I'm inspired (laughs) because of you. So well done. Thank Um, you. I I am curious though, because I feel like there's, it's a little bit um, maybe taboo or I I feel like there's a stigma attached to, you said you assigned roles to the relationship, like Mm -hmm. of of a romantic uh, relationship. And, and, Sean, I think, would be hesitant to assign roles to our relationship like she does business. Can you talk about that, if, there, yeah. if there's a rub with that or how you guys work through that? Yeah, it's funny that you say that because I totally sense it when I say it out loud. And the truth is, is like, what is your goal? Is it yeah. to have the best relationship you possibly can? Like, what is that goal? And then do act in accordance to that. So if my goal for my business, like when you think about people building a business, right, you have to have roles, you have to have duties. So even if you've got the role, um, like I'm great at logistics, my husband's a visionary. Okay. So even break that down even more. What does that mean? Um, who's responsible for the money? Who's responsible for the content, like in the business form that we do. Mm -hmm. So you break everything down and that seems very plausible. No one would say that's terrible business. People are like, Oh my God, of course you have to. But in a relationship, when there's still two people and you're still working on something to succeed, which is your relationship, why wouldn't you have that same code of ethics? Hmm. Why wouldn't you put that same code of um, that same effort and structure into your relationship like you would do your business? And once I could overcome the fact that like it doesn't mean that we don't love each other. It doesn't mean that there's not romance there. It doesn't mean there's not fire and burning passion for each other. Of course, there absolutely is. And that's important to maintain. And I don't think that being logistic, logistical with your relationship take, takes away from that. I think it's important. Yeah. It, it shouldn't take away from that. And the point of what I'm trying to do is using log, um, logistics and structure and titles in my relationships so that I can get what I want, mm-hmm. right? Because if I'm not making time for the passion, if I'm not making time for the connection with my husband, if I'm not making time for um, failures, right? Because we all fail in our business and we give each other leeway, but in our relationship, it becomes an argument and it becomes a head on. I can't believe you did this. You forgot my birthday. And the truth is we all fail. So why aren't we giving each other the freedom and the 
bandwidth in our relationship to fail like we do in our business. And so I think it is so beneficial for my husband and I in our relationship. And that's what it comes down to. Does it get me towards my goal or move me away from my goal? And if being very strategic and sitting with my husband and being very honest about what we want from each other and what we want for ourselves, um, it's moving me towards my goal. So I'm going to push that agenda. I love that. Uh, I'm inspired again. Um, (laughs) Can you talk about, so I understand you've had some gut health issues. Is that the reason for Quest Nutrition? Was that the the reason that you started or this is? No. Yeah. So Quest Nutrition started from basically my husband and his two business partners. They tried to make enough money, build a tech business, and they were all miserable. Hmm. And I started seeing the change in my husband. I think the wives were seeing the change in their husbands. And so it just came to a head and it was like no one was happy. And so they decided, how do we build a business that is predicated on um, bringing value instead of just trying to get money? Hmm. And they, we all looked at our lives and we said, okay, well, what are we all dealing with right now? And my husband's family, um, he comes from a family of obesity. So for him, it was like, how do you keep people healthy? For him, it was, you know, his mom and his sister, someone very close to him that he wanted to help. I was making um, handmade protein bars at home for him. So it was like, I mean, pathetic. It was protein powder, peanut butter and water, Um, you know, and he was taking them to work every day. And so were his business partners. They were into fitness as well. So it was like, what do we do every day that we would want to use? Mm-hmm. And so that kind of is what really started Quest Nutrition. Um, we had already been announced a billion dollar company, second fastest growing company in North America. Um, and then I got my gut health issues. And that was very difficult for me because I went from my identity of being a housewife to this entrepreneur. And mm-hmm. I, was, I was loving it. I was loving being in business and growing. And then I got gut health issues and I couldn't even eat our product. And so my identity, I was, I was embarrassed and I was ashamed and I was so just shy about talking about here I am owning one of the largest nutrition companies in the world at this point, And I can't even eat my product. So I was, I, I didn't tell anybody. So for about a year, a year and a half, I was going through major issues. I couldn't eat very much at all. So I was losing weight. I wasn't getting the right nutrients. So my hair was falling out. My nails were brittle. Um, and, you know, my, my husband and I, and we own a healthy, you know, a nutrition company. So it was very difficult for me to be able to own my health issues, to be able to speak up about it, to be able to own it. Um, and that's actually why now we do, um, with our new company, we do a show called Health Theory because my husband, he, we were literally spending so much time researching and reading up about all the new health things that were happening to just try and fix me that we thought, wow, if, if we have an entire team, you know, we've got like 1500 people that work at Quest Nutrition and we've got an R&D department, we've got scientists, we've got nutritionists. I've, you know, fortunate enough that we've built a company that allows me to go to the best doctors in Beverly Hills you know the best of the best supposedly the best of the best and I still couldn't fix myself Hmm. so the embarrassment of like oh my god it must be me I'm doing something wrong was very hard to um, deal with but once I started speaking out I think it was kind of a breath of fresh air for people because they were in similar situations the amount of women that are going through gut health issues is astronomical now like it it feels like it's an epidemic Hmm. to be honest um, and so I just think that, yeah, we, we need to start speaking up more about it and um, how, like Tony Robbins says, how does the worst case scenario become the best case? And I just think that my health was, the, my, my terrible health is the best thing that's ever happened to me because it has allowed me to really speak up. It has allowed me to find new research and spread the word more through, you know, the so- social media platforms and stuff. Um, and yeah. so, yes, and it's made me emotionally stronger as well. Yeah. Uh, our good friends, the axes, Dr. Josh Axe and Dr. Chelsea Axe, they've essentially built their business around gut health, you know, with, with collagen, bone broth protein and all these different SKUs. Uh, you know, he did a whole healing leaky gut program. Um, I think in general though, it seems like, and this is your philosophy in, in, in life, whether it's your marriage or your business is communication and identifying problems is like the first step to a solution. 
Yeah. And that's what, that's what's so cool. I, I think there is so much power. You know, Sean and I had the experience uh, a year and a half ago where she went through a miscarriage. And your your first instinct when you go through something negative or a tough time is to kind of just like, and at least for me, is to internalize it or, you know, just kind of shell up, find a cave, go into the wilderness and like do, try to work through it yourself. Um, right. But there's so much power in sharing that. Uh, with other people and like the community that we experience, and I'm sure you had a similar uh, a similar uh, experience with your with your gut health. When you when you open up and share that is like that's the most meaningful and that's that's the best way to to move through that problem and then find a, a solution. So, hats off to you for dealing dealing with that whole thing as you have. What's been the conclusion? Did is there an ending to the? Well, oh, God, yeah. So I'm still battling with it. It's been okay. an evolution. And so that's one thing that I very much focus on. And I told myself about two, when I was about a year and a half, two years in, I told myself, Lisa, you may have this for your, the rest of your life and mm-hmm. you need to be okay with that. Um, now that doesn't mean that you're going to give up. Like there is no quitting in me when it comes to finding the answer with my health. So it doesn't mean that I'm going to give up, but I had to become okay with it because I think the frustration was someone was, I would go to one doctor and people like, Oh, this is your problem. And so what I would do is I would eliminate it. I'd be like, okay, this is the golden bullet and it's going to work. And, and it didn't. And I noticed that I'm, you know, like you said, I try to be very self-aware and I tried to assess like, okay, every time something didn't, it was the disappointment in thinking my life was going to be perfect or my health was going to be perfect again. And it was a disappointment that that didn't happen that um, really led to me getting upset about it. So I thought, okay, well, if it's me always thinking that I'm getting the golden bullet and it doesn't work, how do I change that? Because I can't lose enthusiasm. I can't lose enthusiasm finding the answer. And the truth is when you try and you keep failing, you keep failing, inevitably you do lose the enthusiasm. So I switched the narrative in my, in my head. And so I changed the narrative to be, all right, you may have this issue for the rest of your life, but the amazing thing is you can test things and see if they work or don't, mm. if they take you a step forward or not. And so now when something completely fails, but it gave me like that one extra, like, oh my God, I can eat kale now. Like, you know, once upon a time I couldn't eat cow, but now I can. It's like celebrating those things has allowed me to keep going and stay um, enthusiastic and not lose energy for it. Um, sorry, did I even answer your question? Yeah, no, that's, no, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. <laughs> so, so I still am battling with it. Um, but again, it's about changing um, how you see it. And then also one more thing to add is dealing with the emotional thing. So it's not just about the food. It's about how I feel. So being in pain or, you know, not feeling at my best, it doesn't make me feel attractive, right? As a woman, it doesn't make you feel sexy. So then I started to feel like, um, I wasn't dressing up or really kind of making myself feel good anymore. And I think it's important, especially when you're in a relationship to make an effort for your partner. You know, I've been married for 16 years and I think it's still very important. And so I noticed that it was actually changing the way I was, um, I was dressing the, the romance as much as I, I wasn't going towards it anymore. So I had to really assess how my health was affecting my emotional side and my relationship and making sure that I had to get us back on track and that I was making more of an effort, um, because I think that that's important when you're not feeling great, not to let it um, really infect every aspect of your life. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Can you talk about the, uh, the effect that the success you and Tom experienced with Quest had on your marriage, if any? Yeah. Um, the funny thing is, so the day, so it's, you know, when you're selling a company or you're saying uh, we sm- sold a very small portion of it. So we're still, you know, big, large, um, ownership of the company but there was a small portion that we sold and that took about six to eight months now at this point quest already been announced as a billion dollar company but we were still living in the same house we were living in when i was shipping um product from my living room floor so everyone on the outside thought oh my god you guys are so extremely wealthy and the truth was we literally didn't change our lifestyle so the day we had sold the small the small portion We'd been building up to like, what is our dream? What do we want to buy? Like, how do we want to live? What is it going to look like? And the day the money hit, 
it was quite funny because my husband come, he comes into the, uh, the gym that I was working out in and he just like money hit. And so we were so excited. We gave each other a kiss and a hug and we're like, Oh my God, our lives are about to change. And he turns around to me and he's like, all right, I'm going to go get ready. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, I'm going, I'm going to work. It's, you know, eight 30 in the morning. I'm going to, and I was like, you're going to work today. And he's like, yeah. He's like, because it's, it's about our mission. And in that moment, like I knew it, but he just reminded me, it's like, it's so true. You know, when you're, and that was the big change that we had made prior was like, we're not chasing money anymore. We're chasing a mission. And that mission was to really help people and impact people. And so the money was great, but it really didn't like this, that literally that morning we went back to work. So if you went and asked our employees at the time, what day did Lisa and Tom's money hit the account? No one would have a clue Mm. because we didn't change. We didn't do anything different. We went to the cheesecake factory to celebrate. He actually asked me, where do you want to go? And I was like, yeah, he was like, where do you want to go? I was like, cheesecake factory. Um, But, and then also actually one thing is when we went through building the business, we had to cut back every penny, you know, counting, collecting coupons. So when we didn't have to do that anymore, um, the truth was the thing that connected us wasn't the money it was spending time together because when we didn't have the money we couldn't go out to the movie theater we couldn't go out for expensive dinners and so it made me realize that wow it a relationship with me my husband actually doesn't have anything to do with money and so now honest to god when we have date night we barely go out we sit you want to know what we actually do we play video games oh wow what's your what's your go-to Destiny 2. <laughs> nice. Good choice. <laughs> so, but we would do things that allow us to bond. So we play video games. We may go sit in the hot tub or we'll take a shower together. Like it's actually nothing to do with money. So um, I think our st- starting quest and being super poor allowed us to really recognize what it was in our relationship that made us us. And it was spending the time together, period. Wow. That's so important. You're speaking some truth right now. (laughs) Or even on Christmas, like you want to know a great Christmas gift to give each other, no matter how much money you have, give each other um, a handmade voucher that gives you either 30 minute back massage. Wow. One other thing we used to do in like um, for Christmas when we didn't have money is I would make a voucher and be like, I will treat you like a king for a day. That's great. I feel like I kind of be getting the short end of the stick on the whole back rub thing. I get shot on <laughs> a 10 minute back rub every night and, and I'm waiting for that, you know, to, to pay back in dividends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe you're going to get an entire day of back rub. Maybe I, I, I think I might deserve it. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. um, I'm going to, I'm going to ask some fan questions if you're okay with that. And then I definitely want to move into the exciting things that you guys have going on now. Cause um, it's so much, but <laughs> We have a lot of people excited to ask you questions and usually we get some like joking questions, but everybody's, okay. everybody's very, very curious and, and wants to ask um, some deep questions here. So Kylie Watkins wants to know how you became so inspired to do this kind of stuff. And I feel like it's, it's a good question because people of, of, you know, like millennials, I think struggle with like finding what their dream is. What do they find? Your, what do they want their mission to be? And you, you said that at 15, you were like set on, on becoming the first female Academy Award winning director. And then, you know, you kind of got redirected into the quest thing. How, where did you find the inspiration? Yeah, the truth is, it's really, what do I enjoy doing on a day-to-day basis? Like it comes down to being that simple. I think that today's society, we put so much pressure on what's your passion? What's your drive? What's your startup? Are you going to be an entrepreneur? Yeah. Um, And the truth is like, I don't ever run by that. Like never, I never think about, even when we were doing Quest, even before Quest, like we were, um, actually the tech company was purely about the money. But after that, it was, what do I enjoy doing? I love photography. So we started the photography business. And then, you know, three months down the line, I realized I actually didn't really enjoy it. So I stopped doing it. You know, it was, you may hear about Quest and you may hear about impact theory, but there were so many businesses that were started beforehand based on Mm. an interest I had. And that interest then turned into a bit of a passion. And then I realized, wow, I actually don't want to dedicate my life to this. I actually just want to do it as a hobby. You know, so I really do self-assess. And then I think about no matter what's going to happen in my life, the chances are, the chances are I'm actually going to fail at it. 
right? No matter what business I start, I probably will fail. So if I know I probably will fail, what am I going to love doing every step of the way to doing that? Because I don't know if I'm going to succeed. So, but I know that I'm going to wake up every morning or I hope I wake up every morning. Um, And so the truth is, what do I want to do? What do I want to spend my time doing? Because when people say, especially now, like the word impact and really um, affecting people has become kind of like the thing to do. But you look at someone like even mother, even mother Teresa, right? She got joy, true joy and happiness out of helping people. I don't think she would have helped people if she didn't feel some form of satisfaction. So instead of worrying about how to help other people or what is the in thing to do, it's like, what gives you that joy? What give, if Mother Teresa is going to help people, you know, with um, AIDS and she can have a smile on her face every single morning, well, what is that equivalent for you? It doesn't have to be saving lives. It doesn't have to be impacting people. It can literally, I want to be a stay-at-home mother because this is what is going to bring me the most satisfaction. Then you need to do that with other ferocity. Be a stay-at-home mother. Love every second of it. It doesn't have to be building a business, but it has to be joy. Preach, Lisa. I love <laughs> this. I got really like... Keep going. <laughs> I got carried away there. No, that's phenomenal. It's gold. Um, okay, so this is a lighter hard one. Old Mitz says she's actually eating a Quest bar right now. She wants to know how you made them taste so good. Ah, well, I sadly can't take all the credit for that. We have an incredible R&D team that spends honestly like a year, a year and a half at least just on one product. So I remember when we started the pumpkin pie bar, people were asking for years, when's the, when are you guys going to do it? It takes a year and a half to manufacture because you have to find the right ingredients. You have to do testing. You have to do taste testing. Um, when we first started the company, it was a lot more, um, it was less strategic than that. It was more kind of like, throwing ingredients together. We want to make a peanut butter bar. So throw some stuff together. Everyone would try it. Everyone would vote. We would, you know, there was like 10 of us and we would all sit there and just give it like a rating from one out of 10 and we would hope that it did well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's now a lot more complicated than that. Yeah. Uh, that's fun. The, the, the early stages I'm sure were a blast. The best, Uh, in fact, if I can tell you a very quick story about what, so um, the peanut butter and jelly protein bar was actually a massive company mistake. Um, And what happened was at the time we had a peanut butter bar and we had a mixed berry bar and it was really early stages. We just had enough money to hire like four people to make the bars so that we could really run the company. And we hired them and it cost about $5,000 a batch per flavor to make. And that was a lot of money. I mean, that was a lot of money back then when we first started. And one of the guys comes in and he's got this like horror on his face. And we're like, what's wrong? He's like, I made a mistake. He was like, we were supposed to be running the peanut butter bar and we actually used the wrong flavoring. So we've got the right peanut butter. We've got the right protein powder, but we've got the wrong flavoring. And we actually put the, the mixed berry flavoring in the peanut butter bar. And so we like, and we're like, oh my God, no, we've just lost $5,000. What are we going to do? And so we will just try it. And my husband turns around and he's like, it kind of tastes like PB&J. And so we were like, well, it's, there's one batch. It's something like 200 boxes of bars. And we're like, well, instead of losing the $5,000, let's wrap them in like plain wrapping. Let's print the nutrition because obviously you can't sell things without the nutrition and the calories and all, all of that. So we printed that. We put it in the box and we labeled it as a prototype. <laughs> And we said limited edition prototype flavor bar, and we sold 200 boxes within an hour. What? And people were, because it was like prototype, so all our fans at the time were like freaking out that it could be something that they would like. Within an hour, we sold out, and then within two weeks, so many people were like, you have to make this into a bar that we ended up making it into. And it was like one of our best selling bars for months. Oh my gosh, that's a great story. Jade Sherman wants to know what are the what are the tools that you use to grow in this self awareness? Like, um, she like is it Enneagram tests or is it you know how do you do that? 
Yeah, a lot of people use journals and things like that. I'm much more of like, I just like to surround myself with people that have the same mindset. Mm. Because as you can tell, I I like to talk a lot. (laughs) And so when I get in conversations with people that have a growth mindset, they can teach me something that no um, saying or quote car can ever really do. Like that's how, that's what resonates with me. So I really do try to surround myself with people. I listen to books. I'm not a bit actually massive on podcasts. I'm more into books because I like to have structure where I can listen to a book, a takeaway, a tactic, and then try it in my own life. Um, So I've tried like post-it notes on my mirror and um, listen to, you know, books, like I said, when I'm getting ready, Um, things like that. It's nothing massive like a lot of people do, you know, um, they spend 10 minutes in the morning focusing on like yeah. gratitude. I've tried a lot of that, but nothing has really synced in with me like speaking to people that have a growth mindset. That's great. Uh, last question. Gabrielle Hopkins wants to know, what is the importance of fitness in your life and why is it important? Yeah, it's very important. And I didn't realize how important it was until it was actually taken away from me. So when um, we were building Quest, I was really into working out. Um, I, was, I was the person counting calories, though, and running on the treadmill. Like, I was that person. And then when my gut health went to crap, basically, um, I couldn't work out. I couldn't run. I couldn't have any impact on my stomach. Um, I couldn't do sit-ups. I literally couldn't do anything. So for three months, I stopped working out. And that is when I realized, wow, I enjoy going to the gym for me. And I didn't realize that I did. And I enjoyed having structure to my mornings. So when I went back to the gym, because I couldn't move anywhere pretty much from my waist downwards in an aggressive way, I just started lifting weights. And in the lifting weights, it, it gave me um, um, the ability to really feel like I can be powerful um, in my mind as well as my body. And what I mean by that is weights to me is really the strength of the mind. Like, can I train myself and coach myself well enough to be able to pick that 20 pounds up? Can I do that, right? Because if I believe that I can't, guess what? I can't. If I believe that I can, guess what I can. So I didn't realize the connection between the mind and the body until my health went bad. I went back to the gym and started lifting weights. And now I recognize the um, importance of it for myself and that it is really the self, the one selfish thing that I get to do. Mm. And I think being selfish is so important to, um, brain function and to be able to, especially if you're a high performer and you're trying to, you know, build a company or do something like seriously intense. I think having selfish time is probably the, one of the biggest things to, um, to implement in your life. Yeah. So, so health, fitness, gym, absolutely hundred percent, but not because of the visuals, but because of what it actually does to my mind. Hmm. Quest Nutrition is not where your story ends. You and Tom have started Impact Theory. Can you talk about that, what your vision is? Yeah, and I mean, I love that segue actually from the mind and the body is Quest Nutrition was amazing for the body. And Mm. for people who were willing to pick up a protein bar instead of a candy bar, it made a difference to their life. And it made a difference to people who were trying to lose weight, people that actually in the anorexic community, they said that the bar was one thing that allowed them to enjoy calories again. Mm. So we were really making an impact there. The problem was there were still people in my life, especially um, like my own mom, who was actually gaining more and more weight and becoming more unhealthy as Quest was getting bigger. Mm. And that's when it was like, there's something missing here. Hmm. What, 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 what are we not doing right? And the realization was it's about the mind. Hmm. And when you look at people who have anxiety, depression, these are the people that are not getting up and going to the gym. These are people that are not feeling good about themselves, that are not engaging in, um, you know, fun things. And so what's happening is because their mindset isn't right, they're not going after the right food to then fuel their body. And so it's like, okay, well, here we are saying that we really do want to create impact. And our mission in life, we have stated, is to help people. Well, am I really walking the walk? 
and talking the talk um, if I'm not willing to do the 360 and address the 360. Because yes, the company is doing great for the body, but I'm not addressing the mind. Mm. So we actually started a, um, a piece of content in Quest Nutrition called Inside Quest. And I had transitioned from the shipping department to building our media department. And I had grown that to about 20 people. We were creating um, music videos. I mean, incredible stuff. But within that media department, we're like, okay, we need to do something that is about the mind, not just pushing the product. And so we started a show that was about the mind and we were having incredible people on the show. We had um, Tony Robbins, Steve Aoki, I mean, um, Peter Diamanda. So we were having all kinds of incredible people talking about the mind. And as time went on, we realized that mine and my husband's purpose was about the 360 wellness mm. and the business business partners really just wanted to keep focusing on the body. So the great news is when we had, because the company was so successful, we were able to transition. We took the show that was inside the company and we spun it off into its own entity. Because again, going to like the no BS question, like what would it actually take to create global impact? It is the mind and it's about taking that and being able to spread it across the world and mm. content, movies, television, storytelling, fiction, all of that is really can be empowering to people. Look at Wonder Woman, right? You ask any woman how they felt after they left watching Wonder Woman, they feel badass. Mm. So content in general can empower people so incredibly. And so understanding that with that's, that's our new mission. So we're building a studio. We're building a studio that does um, real fiction, uh, sorry, non-fiction content, but also the goal, the future goal is to be able to make fictional content. Um, and that's where we set our sights. Wow. There's something you touched on that I want to emphasize is you said as time went on, we found that our purpose was a 360 health. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that's important for those listening who don't know what their vision is or don't know what their purpose is, is you got you and Tom were engaging in something, you were doing something, and then you let time kind of kind of iron out what your purpose was. And so I think I think it's an important lesson where don't just sit there and, and wait for somebody to tell you what to do. Do something and you'll figure out whether that's what you're supposed to be doing or not. So um Tom and Lisa have so many different channels you can find them on. Uh Tom Billu has the, his own channel. Um Impact Theory is a channel. Women of Impact. Can you talk about your vision for the Women of Impact? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, all the content that we do um, right now lives on Tom's YouTube channel, Tom Billu. So, um, again, going back to like our dynamic, um, he's incredible in front of the camera. I had no meaning or expectation or thoughts or wants. I'm an introvert. I never wanted to be on camera ever, ever. You're really I, good, though, Lisa. Thank Just you. <laughs> I just like to talk to be honest (laughs) but I really was like I'm the logistical person behind the scenes and Tom and I we had this dynamic that was perfect he's amazing in front of the camera and I know how to I mean even the set here I know how to put a set together hit hire a team understand post-production and like that's my world Mm. and um so that's kind of what I started doing not really realizing that what I had actually done by going from a housewife for eight years to an entrepreneur, um, that was really a story anyone actually wanted to hear, to be honest, like it never occurred to me. And so the more I started talking about it, um, the more I started realizing how other women were um, getting empowered by it. And I was like, wow, actually, this is part of what my goal is to really impact people. And so someone was like, you need to get it more in front of the camera. Tom kept saying, you need to get more in front of the camera. And I didn't have any drive or desire to. And then it went back to my goal. Like, okay, if your goal really is to impact people, Lisa, are you letting your, um, your worry or your concern about not being in front, good in front of the camera hold you back? And the answer was yes. So here I was, I had a goal, very clear goal. I want to impact people on a global scale. And I had my own fears and my own um, insecurities. And I was like, all right, well, which one's more important? Well, obviously my goal is more important. So Lisa, you need to suck it up. You need to get over your insecurities. You need to accept that, yes, you're not good now. But let me tell you, the best pianist in the world was, wasn't good the first time they sat in front of the piano. Mm. Right? Your wife, I'm sure, wasn't good the first time she started. Or you. Or, you know, look at anyone around Shut you. Like, 
I think Sean might have been good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, fair enough. She's <laughs> an anomaly. But most people aren't the best of the best the first time. Yeah. So I just gave myself the leeway to be terrible. Yeah. I reminded myself of the goal that I had. And I reminded myself that right now, what is stopping me is my own fears and insecurities and emotions. Mm. And I told myself, I'm never going to let my own emotions get in the way of what I want, whether that's in my own relationship or in business or anything. And so I just reminded myself of that. I was like, all right, well, you don't want to let that stop you. So you need to suck it up and just try it. And so that's what I did. And I was very honest about my journey and even honest about my failures. And um, every time I stumble and, you know, I try something new and it doesn't work, it's like, okay, well, there you go, shot. Because I think that in speaking up now, the one thing I'm noticing that people find is difficult is really taking that first step because they're so fearful of failing and falling. And I'm just like, all right, well, look, I'm the guinea pig. I'll, I'll show you that even falling on your face, it doesn't end in disaster. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Um, so the show is mostly interview focused, but my personal favorite is when you uh, drop the nuggets of wisdom, which seem to be just nonstop. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it's also kind of cool because it seems like it's your, your goal now after Quest and, and all these businesses that you started is back to your 15 year old. It's, it's almost achieving your 15 year old goal of being the first, uh, you know, Academy award winning director. So I it is. That. Yeah. Thank you. And we, um, we actually said, cause I think having a vision of what that looks like, like what does success look like to you? Yeah. Um, and I think it should never be based on money ever. Cause it yeah. will not actually change how you feel about yourself. Trust me, it won't. Yeah. So what is the actual goal with quest? For me, when I thought, okay, this is when we've made it. This is a moment of pride for me is when I'm at the airport seeing someone eat a bar. Mm. I don't know. Like I had a very specific, specific vision because I was like, that's the problem that people face when they travel um, is eating healthy. So yeah. I'm going to, I know that I feel satisfied and I've made it when I see that. Now with the new company and the new stuff we're doing, it is absolutely winning an Academy Award. Yeah. And my husband does this like romantic dip and where he kind of dips me and gives me a kiss, like a fairy tale kiss. And we've done that ever since our first day. We do that like anytime we go on holiday, um, any location. And so the, the goal right now is for him to do the Hollywood dip on stage when we win an Academy Award for at least producing something or being involved in a piece of content that has impacted people on that type of scale. Wow. So I'm staying here. I'm making an announcement. That's my declaration. Oh my, I got the chill. I, I just, I just wrote a blog post about, you know, everybody's setting goals for 2019 and it's that time of year. I think what Sean and I did different this year than in previous years is we actually said, okay, if these are our goals, these like items, what is that? What does that actually look like? What are the content? Right. And so we did a, like almost a vision casting and now I'm all about like, I just love that you said that's, that's what your goal is. And that's what it's going to look like when, when he does the dip. Um, so that, that is one of the closing questions is what are your goals now? And so you just talked about that. Uh, the other question I, I love to ask everybody, um, and it seems to be the audience's favorite is what are three takeaways that you've learned in your journey that you think would be useful for the audience? Yeah, I, I love that question. Yeah. Um, the first one that comes to mind is it's okay to fail. Like I used to think that failing meant that I was a failure, you know, and the truth is, is that you need to fail to get better. And so I don't focus on the failure. Now, anytime that I fail, I go, all right, that was one more great opportunity that now I've got stronger. You know, it just flipped that perception. Mm -hmm. um, so in fact, that's the number two perception is everything. Mm -hmm. So if you believe you can, you can, if you believe you can't, you can't like, you're never going to get to your goal if you don't believe in it period. And so you have to change your perception of, um, or your perspective, I should say. Um, that is such a massive thing. Cause I used to think that by being negative protected me. So it's like, if you're going to start a business, like, Oh, it's not going to work because when it doesn't, you can be like, see, I knew it. Versus if you're like, Oh, but I'm going to nail this. And then you don't. And the heartbreak, I used yeah. to think that the first, the first way was better. Now I just think, no, go after something with every ounce of excitement and ferocity, knowing that you could fail, but do it with excitement. Mm. So 
Um, I don't know how many that was. Was that two? That was two. That was two. All, right. All, right. <laughs> All right. So number three, um, loving something that you like. Oh God, no, that's actually cheesy. So I'm going to stop myself. Because so I was going to say loving something every single day. And the truth is I don't. Yeah. Right. Like every day there are certain, like there might be certain, like two or three days in a row that I'm doing something that I absolutely hate. So in mm. fact, there you go. That's my number three. Having that final end of what is going to be um, enjoyable and satisfactory, knowing that you may have two, three, four, five days, a week, two weeks of something that actually you don't enjoy, mm. but you do it because you know it's in service of something better that you actually do love. Yeah. That's phenomenal. Lisa, I feel like I made a new friend here today. I hope you feel the same. Oh, me uh, too. I do. I'm so bummed that you don't in Los Angeles as well. I know, but we do go there a lot. So next time Sean and I are out there, maybe double dates in store. Um, I love that. And you can't, you've got it recorded now. So I know that, <laughs> <laughs> that's proof that you said that. <laughs> and then also, I don't know what I have to do to negotiate Sean being on one of a woman of impact, but. You know, maybe maybe I'll slip in some cash under the table or something like uh, that. Here's the funny thing. I need to be slipping you cash to get <laughs> no, So I am in. Yeah, female yeah. empowerment is definitely something that now when more women are speaking up, I think your wife is incredible. I think more women to be coming out and talking about the realities of their life and the struggles, but also like the incredible opportunities that we now have that we never used to once upon a time have. The fact mm. that I can say that I run a business and I've chosen to to not have children and be able to say that out loud hmm. with no guilt or um, feeling judging myself we've come a long way but I still think we've got a massive way to go so yeah I would love to have your wife on the show to be able to you know keep spreading that incredible word of women are badass yeah thank you so much for your time Lisa I'm oh, sure we'll thank you we'll for having soon. me absolutely you know Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you found today's interview valuable, there are a lot of ways you can support it. You can review it on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you happen to listen to it. You can also share it with your friends on social media, blogs, or on your own podcast. And please head over to my website at www.andrewdeast.com for more information and to request your favorite celebrity, entrepreneur, athlete, or anyone else who inspires you. Feel free to connect with me directly on Instagram and Twitter at Andrew D. East. And thank you again. We hope to see you next time on Redirected.